Damn it, Worf! You know I'm writing the phaser levels encyclopedia. Is it six or seven? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show we loved when we were younger, and now reengage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. This week, we're taking a look at season four, Night Terrors. Let's say hello to my more illustrious Clue members. Clue members is what I said. Uh, Miss Kate, how you do? I think I peed a little when you started. Your pants are wet. <laughs> Already. Already. It's like, we'll go. Thank you for joining circle. us. Thank you. <laughs> Other than that, I'm well. Fun. <laughs> Eric, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. How you doing? I can't stop laughing. That was a really good intro, Jimmy. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you, sir. Greg? Rocking and rolling. I, I took lots of naps before we were recording this just to make sure I had my REM sleep. <laughs> oh, a worse Old joke than Greg. that is in the pipeline, my friend. Just hang on. <laughs> but I really did nap, though. That's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is Stardate 44631.2, air date the week of March 18th, 1991. Greg what was happening in the world and how sad can you make us <laughs> so sad i am just gonna go down the list of things that make us uh cry single tears down our cheeks uh on march 13th there was a two-week break between uh the last episode episode 16 and this one episode 17. on march 13th exxon paid one billion dollars in fines uh, uh for the cleanup of the valdez oil spill you remember us talking about that uh, a few seasons ago when it, when it occurred and they finally did or they were ordered to pay that much. Um, they wanted them to pay a lot more. And there was actually a group of uh, seafood uh, uh, capturers. What do you call them? Fishermen. <laughs> <laughs> seafood companies. Um, which those of us in the Seattle area will love. They're called the Seattle 7 because uh, they're all based in Seattle. But they did a lot of their... Uh, Fisherings on the Alaska coast. <laughs> Just smoked a lot of pot and uh, stormed a lot of ROTC buildings. <laughs> this is very topical for a, later on in this episode. Totally. <laughs> um, they were paid $63.75 million on like a secret deal that Exxon gave them. And then they were later kind of chastising. Like, you could have got a lot more if you did that through our public channels. Uh, there was awards, as I said, up to a billion dollars from Exxon for the terrible uh, oil spill there. One of the worst uh, in our history. Um, this is kind of verging a little bit into entertainment news, but I thought this group might enjoy this. On March 14th was the first time the Dave Matthews Band performed their first show as part of a benefit for the Middle East Children's Alliance. And I thought that was strange i was nice. like well yeah this was the birth of of dave matthews and his band <laughs> uh, on march 14th following on last episode's uh incident of the los angeles police officers beating rodney king they were arraigned and charged with excessive force over that uh event 
uh, on March 15th. And then on March 19th, this is totally uh, for Eric out there, uh, the Kansas yep. City Royals announced that they put Bo Jackson on waivers on this day. Oh, yeah. The end of an era. So he was a fantastic... Uh, football player and baseball player, but at this time, uh, the baseball was not going to be happening after this. The event. hip was never the same, ladies and gentlemen, never the same. I wore my Bo Jackson jersey today to work in honor of opening day wow. for the Royals, which I am not listening to right now because I am on with oh. you guys and I'm hard oh. into it. I love you guys. So sweet. Yeah, that is amazing. The things I sacrifice for those I love most. <laughs> I'm glad you were wearing that jersey today too. I, oh I yeah, my, were like, my huh, this is the anniversary of the day where he was put on waivers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we move on to uh, the cultural events, Greg? Or is there any more uh, things in history? Do it, do it, do it. Kate, what was happening? Well, Silence of the Lambs reigns supreme once again at the movies. But the 11th annual Golden Raspberry Awards happened, and the adventures of Ford Fairlane took the top Aww. prize, the Andrew wow. Dice Clay movie yeah. uh, wow. that never needed to have been made. Uh, on television, in an episode of L.A. Law, Diana Mulder's character plummeted to her death through an open elevator shaft. <laughs> Goodbye oh, to right. her character, Rosalind Shays. I've been rewatching that. What a way that. to go. It holds up. And in legal news, Peggy Lee, the singer and actor, uh, was awarded $3 million in a contract violation suit against the Walt Disney Company. She had originally been paid $3,500 for writing six songs and voicing four characters on Lady and the Tramp. And then she sued Disney when it was released to videotape without her permission and without paying her any residuals. And she Good won. She you, took she Peggy took on Lee. the mouse and she won. And that's it Woo-hoo! in my news. $3,500. So uh, pay has not uh, gotten any better for people working in animation. <laughs> no. No, it has not. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, putting the show together, we had director Les Lando, uh, teleplay by Pamela Douglas and Jerry Taylor, and story by Shari Goodhart's. Um, and then behind the scenes from the Nemesic Files, we have uh, a bunch of script. Uh, and the script and the shooting were plagued by uh, pacing issues. Uh, and the episode actually ran nine minutes long. So they had to cut huge chunks wow. out of it. Uh, and this might have some bearing on how the show actually ended up. Uh, Marina Sirtis has joked that uh, she had been complaining about not getting any action scenes. And then she was cursed with this episode <laughs> where she got action scenes. Um, and she is actually afraid of heights. So the harness work was not oh. some of her favorite. Uh, and the production staff has come out and, quite, and been quite frank about how terrible they felt the production value of said harness work was uh, in the, it, as it showed up in this episode. Um, we get uh, one character here that um, uh, uh, Eric may mentioned when we talk about our our um, guest stars, who was actually in a TOS episode. Um, I'll leave that for him. And uh, the Bretagne, our the ship that we come across, um, 
was built at the Yo-Yo Dine Division, which uh, is another Buckaroo Bonsai reference, uh, one of many made by uh, designer uh, Michael Akuda. Um, uh, and if you slow down the uh, explosives data that Data and Troy are combing through when they're trying to figure out what to do near the end of the episode, uh, you may have noticed that many of the names are actually names of staffers, mm -hmm. uh, T and G mm -hmm. staffers. Uh, I'll just give you two examples. Um, there is Moride uh, Polly Honor Knight which is uh, a reference to Ron Moore, who is a visual effects coordinator. And then Bio Genevesium, who is uh, a reference to Cosmo Genevesi, oh. who is uh, the script supervisor. So that is a Nemesis Files. <laughs> uh, Eric, how about those guest stars? Well, I have no idea who you were talking about. Were you talking about uh, <laughs> Duke Musakian or Craig Hurley, maybe? <laughs> Uh, no, Ray Tiscantao? No idea who that yeah, guy he is. He was uh, the helmsman who replaces the, the young lady who couldn't seem to remember mm. how to uh, how to navigate. Uh, and he was in the episode And the Children Shall Lead uh, back in the day. Oh, as a, as a child. As a kid. Oh, that's wow. cool. Intriguing. I don't even have him on my list. Sorry, dude. Well, um, there you go. But I d <laughs> Not to be forgotten, Ray. <laughs> well, mostly, mostly the people who are in this one uh, have been in stuff before with us, right? Uh, wait. <laughs> this is fun. Okay. Which one are we doing here? This is Night Terrors, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I'm, I'm sitting here like... It's driving me crazy that that guy's not on my list. All right. So uh, mostly who we're going to talk about is uh, Andrews Hagen uh, and our friend Peter Lynn. Uh, Hagen is played by an actor named John Vickery that I think my fellow panelists will most likely know his work best, both from his many, many Star Trek credits and as the original voice of Scar in the musical version of The Lion King. Uh, on Broadway, so uh, that that is one of his many Broadway credits. Uh, this uh, is a really nice uh, uh, role for him, but he's probably best known uh, as uh, Russo, a member of the Cardassian Resistance group in a bunch of Deep Space Nine episodes. Um, so in this one, it was his first. Uh, he was also in uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, of course, uh, on Broadway, he had several roles, including Sisters Rosenzweig and The Real Thing. He's worked all over the country at some of the biggest uh, and most well-known regional theaters as well and continues to do great. But we also need to talk about Brian Tochi, who plays Peter Lynn and who we know from just about everything, including <clears throat> the ones that come to me right away when I see him, uh, are... Uh, his work in Police Academy movies and uh, his uh, voice work because uh, he shows up in just about everything, uh, including Batman Beyond, Kim Possible, Johnny Bravo, uh, Family Guy, Avatar Last Airbender, freaking everything you've ever seen, including Revenge of the Nerds, of course, 
Uh, his face was everywhere throughout the 80s and 90s, and his voice and face are still all over the place today. Welcome to his first appearance in the Star Trek universe as well. And that's all I got. Sweet. Uh, let's take a pause here, Eric, because what you just said made me yeah, think that's that what maybe you were just I have describing. The, wrong, the wrong name of the guy who was in there. Yeah, Lynn is actually the na- the character that you were describing, Jimmy. Yeah. So I don't know where I got that other name that I couldn't even pronounce. Uh-huh. Well, I would clear that up. That's why you were going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I wanted to Same know guy. why as opposed to just assume why. I assumed that I was just <laughs> going crazy. Nope. I was wrong. Woo! All right. <laughs> Won't be the first time this episode. <laughs> so let's uh crack it open shall we we open yeah. up the scene uh finding a lost ship the uh Britain. uh it's found troy knows that there's life but there's something wrong and her frustration at not knowing lets us know that this is going to be a troy episode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it takes Riker less than a second to assemble his away team, but it takes him a bit longer than a second to agree to have Troy tag along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then once aboard uh, the Britain, it's all blood and guts and canatonic betazoids. It is also the scene we learn uh, a new phaser setting. Face melt, six or seven. So the full list, as started by Den of Geek, is stun, kill, cut through door, heat up rocks, head explodey, aqueduct (laughs) demolition, smelt ore, overkill, and now face melt. And I admit, maybe that could be a subset of head explodey, but that's not as fun. Slightly lower than the explodey. (laughs) So what do you guys think? About this uh, intro, we get um, a nice mystery at the front. What happened? How are all these people dead? Uh, and will uh, Troy be impregnated by a deity again? Mm, mm. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I didn't, I like I that, didn't take it to its natural conclusion. I like that someone <laughs> has straight up stabbed someone with like a dagger. Because I'm like, where did that dagger come from? Like, did they replicate that dagger in the moment? Was it like a replica of some sort that they had? I just... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Kate. Uh, replicate dagger, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't bother me. Don't mind me. That's a I good was, point. I was reminded, too, uh, what you mentioned, uh, uh, Riker having to pause to see if he's going to let Troy... Uh, onto his away team, and he's like, mm, I don't know, nah, uh, fine. Um, but then poor Picard's just left there watching them go longingly. <laughs> I, maybe I wish okay. I could go with you guys. Yeah, I miss and working they pause in the field. On that. I miss it. I need it. I'm an adventurer. Um, but then I, I was just immediately struck of how how uh, horror movie this episode was going to be we, we don't really see the injuries uh that are shown on that bridge very often in mm. star trek and uh you know they weren't necessarily the best uh, special effects uh at that point um but they, they get some better ones later on um but this was just off-putting right away where they're like 
Oh yeah, here's another one. Oh, and here's another one. And they're all sitting in their their stations, which I actually find a little bit odd. <laughs> but it was weird. <laughs> right. 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 That dagger had to have come from like underneath and behind somehow. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> or I didn't I mean, rock that it was his a dagger. I could have come right like into his head. Instrument. Let me look in. There could be something wrong with it. Ha! You know. <laughs> it, it could have been lulled into a false sense of uh, let me check your eye for a second yeah i thought i thought it was a medical implement i did i thought it was some kind oh, of maybe it maybe it was but it was very dagger like oh yeah it was the doctor who did all did the killing yeah uh, all right so once we uh exit the horror show we go into commercial and we come back in i mean from the intro we get a series of scenes um first uh, we have crusher and picard walk in the corridors where uh crusher goes further about some more of the horrors that uh of how people had died so we get just how uh, how big the horror was um and troy begins trying to connect with the comatose betazoid um, and then back aboard the Pertain, Jordy discovers uh, there's nothing wrong with the ship. So uh, another little clue in the mystery, bunch of dead people, it's stalled out, but for unknown reasons, because the ship is should be perfectly functional. Um, and then Crusher and uh, Picard are in his office, and she confirms there's nothing, uh, there's no traceable, traceable medical influence as to why these people went crazy uh, and did what they did. But it may have had something to do with Captain Zahiv's surface-level acting choices. <laughs> <laughs> and this is found <laughs> when we go. To the captain's log, and um, you know she does the very first thing when you're supposed to play a crazy person. She starts, you know, pretending like she's pulling out her hair. Um, but we do get a little bit of clue as to what happened there. I'll disagree with you there, Jimmy, because I okay. found that very disturbing. Uh, I've now been around right. people who are pulling their hair out very often. Maybe in acting class, you get that a lot more. <laughs> it was a newish experience for me. Slam. Um, and there, Slam there was something kids. really disturbing about how she was she knew she was on camera, she knew she was being uh, you know, filmed, she was making this video log, and then she couldn't suppress the the you know, uh anxiety and, and you know, terribleness that she was feeling uh and was doing that quite so I, I found that just kinda hard to watch. Not because it was bad acting, because it was it was disturbing. I found it hard to watch the same way as when uh a really bad audition on American Idol comes up. It's like you, you picked the exact wrong moment to be brave. <laughs> you oh, should no. have sat it out one more time because oh. it was bad. I oh, just... Simon. Shut up, Simon. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, <laughs> Lots of takes on it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but we do learn how bad it was like we know that uh you know there's mass paranoia and she had um somebody killed because he was organized he she felt he was organizing against her uh and it was his men um so we get a sense that there was maybe sides picked and that's how this violence really escalated was two different sides going at each other um so kudos for that part of it <laughs> 
uh, and then we have um, a bunch of cryptic clues, bad dreams, uh, and bad flying effects. So this is where uh, Troy falls asleep. She's being pulled into this world for the first time, this, uh, this green, cloudy world where she's flying on some of the worst harness work I've ever seen. Oh. Um, and she's getting these clues from the disembodied voice, you know, like uh, two eyes. And they're, they're trying to communicate big ideas in small sentences. Um, and uh, 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 what do you guys think about this? Like, do you agree or disagree? Uh, is this just, just another harsh take of mine <laughs> on the harness work? <laughs> or was it really as bad as I thought? For harness work to 90s. be that bad, uh, what, 15 years almost now after the first Superman? Like, come on. There, oh, there's yeah. got to be cut Good rate point. houses by then that can do at least that well. It was very green. <laughs> well, it's not easy being green. All I know is when she woke up, her hair looked incredible. Yeah. What and what was that halter? Uh, yes, she was wearing thing? a. She was wearing quite the top. To bed, which I I don't know about you, but I don't like uh, you know tight collars around my neck when yeah. I'm sleeping. Yeah, that's a bit you know. She has a remarkable number of outfit changes in this episode. Like she goes through every outfit that they have her in, and then some new ones. She was so tired. She didn't know what she felt nice in. That's right. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting in this episode. We get to see two people sleepwear, Troy and later on we see Riker. Mm -hmm. Both of them, I thought, are very modest, uh, especially compared to what we've seen Picard sleep in. Uh, that's true. <laughs> right. He shows that the chest. deep V. He rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help but think too with the you know I also thought that the the whole dream sequence if they were looking for something to cut maybe not show 15 minutes of the same shot over and over again uh, throughout the episode they could have they were like we spend a lot of money on this we got to make sure it's in the episode <laughs> um, it was too much uh, also the angles of the camera were looking down her shirt or up her, her butt upper the butt. entire time and yeah. I was like that was a deliberate choice that some asshole made. And uh, I think it, it made it seem more laughable and stupid uh, the entire time. Last episode's Journey to LaForge did the editing. <laughs> last episode's Journey, <laughs> yep. Not Journey in general, just last episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So then uh, what's, what's kind of cool in the next this next series of scenes is we get to see what likely happened on the Bertain as the the Enterprise crew uh, starts to slowly get taken over by paranoia. Uh, so we got Jordy's assistant is hearing things. Uh, and if there's anybody who looked like he was going to go crazy, it was that guy. Yes. <laughs> um, O'Brien goes super jelly on Keiko. You guys, I am worried about their marriage. Like, <laughs> I problems. Don't know, because this is at the very beginning of the problems, Honeymoon, and he's already right? at an 11, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Whew. I did like that little slice of life, though, even though it was uh, certainly, um, you know, them fighting a bunch. But, like, I did like that. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot that they were married, actually, for a few episodes because they hadn't shown them. And then I like that they were able to get this little, you know, uh, taste in there and they were certainly talking across each other's bows there they weren't really talking to each other um, and I thought that was really good at showing that there was something else going on like there was not it, you know 
uh, it wasn't just relationship problems. It was something, something didn't feel right. I think they just need to have a kid. That'll solve everything. That'll solve. Next season. Always does. Always does. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's a question for you guys. So we have that scene, right? And then uh, pretty soon afterwards, we have the scene with Picard where he keeps, he thinks he's hearing um, the, the doorbell. The, the doorbell. Um, and that obviously wasn't happening. So is it possible that Brian O'Brien didn't have deep-seated jealousy about this guy and it was because of the lack of REM? Or is it just different strokes for different folks? And for O'Brien, it was like this was dormant. And he was usually able to suppress it, like, I'm being stupid. And now, but now it just bursts out. Mm. Well, that's what Perhaps I was like. We'll that's what I was know. saying. That's what I was saying in terms of it being very early on in no sleepy time, you know, like it's the very mm. beginnings of things starting to go wrong. And 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 so that makes me feel like maybe he has some deep seated um, feelings that came to the surface. Yeah, right. If that's I think where that's, he starts, that's we got to make it. sure there are no axes anywhere in the place. <laughs> Don't go Worf's quarters then. Right. There's some danger there. Um, I agree with with what you just said, Kate, because it started to feel uh, like I didn't know how much time had passed. And they say something at the end of this episode. I'm like, oh, I I didn't uh, the way this was edited. It didn't feel uh, like it would been 10 days. Right. Right. Right, Because it hasn't yet. Right. It hasn't been 10 days yet. So. But maybe there was a scene that did establish that more time had passed that ended up getting cut and, and. because that's coming right up, and I thought it was actually kind of cool that they added that in. Um, so you know, we get the buzzes, and then there's actually a knock at the door, uh, which suggests that maybe the ship's not working, and that didn't, or Picard didn't hear <laughs> what uh, that when people actually got there. Troy and Crusher come in, and from their different perspective, <laughs> their different groups of people had reached out. So the medical people <laughs> reaching out like, hey. I'm seeing stuff. And then, you know, the people who are like feeling like they're going crazy and reaching out to Troy, they're a psychologist. And I think I'm going crazy. Uh, so <laughs> they know now they need to get the hell out of this area because things are going bad. But ain't nothing working. Mm-mm. The Enterprise is dead in the water. They are afloat. Uh, and that's how we end the scene. We go away to commercial. When we come back, we learn it's now 10 days later from then. Uh, and this is something that we don't typically get mm-hmm. in TNG. A lot of times it feels like this is like, you know, the most crazy three days. Um, and <laughs> yeah. now we know that they've been lingering in this one spot for 10 days without any. We don't know quite yet what's going on, but then it'll compound later when we find out. It's like, wow, at least 10 days without any REM sleep. Yeah. And that they, we, right, we learned that there were drew the actors any sort of point. favor with this. Sorry, we're on such a delay, mm. so I just try and barrel through. But the, they don't do the actors any sort of favor with this 10, 10 day delay, though, because we didn't get to see any sort of ramp. So what Kate's talking about becomes even more <laughs> obvious because they can't go from mm. 11 to 12, they have to go from 11 to 25. Because it's been 10 days. <laughs> and that's what several of them now uh, attempt to do. Uh, all right. So we are in our uh, first meeting of the episode. 
Uh, they're all in the ready room, and this is where we uh, get some cool technobabble. We find out that they're in Tykin's Rift. This has happened before. Uh, Tykin was able to get out of it by, of course, uh, making something go boom. Uh, and they need to find that. Like, how can we make something go boom? But right at, you know, a few minutes into the meeting, Worf comes in uh, and he was detained. And there is something to unpack there that they never really get to, or maybe they do, and that's the result is later in the episode what we see happen to Worf. But something happened to Worf, and he does not want to talk about it. Uh, I, I love that little detail, maybe because yeah, they don't go into it, because then you just really get that sense that there's something wrong on this ship beyond what we're seeing and what we're being shown. Obviously, they've shown quite a bit from the Gillespie complaining and in, in 10 forward to right, Brian right. and all that stuff. Like we get that going on, but I just love that every scene is just underlining it with like, you know, okay, yeah, I was detained. And you're like, what could have detained Worf? What was it that was going on? Maybe it was even just his own thing. Maybe he had his own, uh, it wasn't him acting as a security officer. It was him actually going through an episode. And then we see yeah. it, you know, going later on too. So like, there's a lot of real subtle nods to that in the writing and, and, and portrayals here. Mm -hmm. I think they're planning to clear all that up uh, by the second season of Worf, uh, which should be within the next four or five years. <laughs> I want to see your, your I want to see your pitch deck on that series, Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah, Here so it is. that we end the scene. Worf, starring Worf. <laughs> <laughs> Done with Sold. Michael Dorn as Worf. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so their solution is if we can blow some shit up, we might be able to get out of this. Uh, and then we cut to Riker and uh, Picard taking a nice turbo lift ride. Uh, and it ends with uh, Picard sending Riker to bed. Um, they both admit they're, you know, they're scared and things are, have been happening. Um, Picard go, or uh, Riker goes a little bit more into the things that are trying to sort of scaring him. Um, I like that then, too. That was another, that was a really great way to show like, yeah. Hey, I've had these things, not the hallucinations that everyone's talking about, but just these eerie feelings. And it's such a great way to introduce the scene that then happens after with, with Riker in that, uh, um, in his quarters, having those feelings, and we we now know what he's experiencing. It's such a great thing. But also, he's super pissed that Picard is like, "Go take a nap." He's not happy yeah. about that. <laughs> he is not. Uh, it leaves Picard alone in a turbo lift, and then uh, Picard gets all freaked out. He's obviously uh, stolen fizzy lifting drinks, bumped into the ceiling, but now has to be cleaned and sterilized. So he gets nothing. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. <laughs> Except the the derision of everyone on the bridge crew. <laughs> yeah, well, and you don't want to be left in that position and have the door open to Worf. Sir? I mean, you are not a warrior, Picard. <laughs> uh, so Picard gets up off the ground. He's deeply humiliated. Goes to his uh, his his office and immediately summons uh, Data and is like, "Yo." <laughs> uh, I need some help. Yeah, I he's the hero hug. of this entire episode. Data is. Uh, we'll get to the, the the final shot that kind of really brings that home. But yeah, he's the only one who doesn't have to sleep. Yeah. And then I think Picard uh, is, you know, realizing that there's there's only one way that they're going to get out of this. 
Yeah, and there's really nice stuff there where uh, he can't quite. He's not as eloquent or as. Uh, he doesn't have nice speech going on, <laughs> um, sort of bumbling, and um, uh, and as you said, Data has a nice little button to the scene, where you know Picard's like, our very lives may depend on it, and he's like, I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no promises. Uh, and then we cut to Riker. He's in his very small bed, which I thought for a philanderer is very peculiar that he has such a small bed. Um, it should be and, a California king with water, <laughs> water dude, and, like shack size bed. He's got uh, buttons, and he he probably has the easiest time with his craziness because they actually have the snakes there for him. So he has full on hallucinations. Snakes around his legs. He jumps up. Nothing's there. Uh, but my favorite one is in that next scene where. Crusher is examining the dead bodies from the pertain, and then they just sit up straight or sit upright. That, yep, top notch. Yep, it was a big old like the moment that scene started. I was like, I know exactly where this is going, and I don't, (laughs) I'm not happy about it. And then it happened, and I was not happy about it. (laughs) I was right. This was one of the only times in the episode where their insistence on not using much background music really worked. Like mm. the, there mm. were, there were moments where the actors really felt left out on an Island when they needed all the support they could get <laughs> for the, some of these monologues. But in these moments, it was super duper effective. Yeah. Yeah. It might be my favorite scene in this whole episode. Agreed. Cause it, it and Gates McFadden does a fantastic job of mm-hmm. acting freaked the f out while also being like got to control got to control what's happening and then she like kind of banishes the the thought and then you see them all go back to normal and then that nice top down shot that they keep establishing like what it's supposed to look like chef's kiss yeah all right buckle up for this next one so our next uh, scene, uh, we learn it's uh, such stuff that dreams are made on or in this case they aren't or is the end of TNG as we know it, but Crusher feels fine <laughs> enough to realize what's happening is due to a lack of REM sleep. Oh, that was, that was a long walk. That was a long walk. <laughs> Here on opening day of baseball, you took the longest walk. <laughs> goodness. So it was REM sleep. That's why everybody's all screwed up. Which I guess is that that's not medical, right? That's uh, what category does that fall under? REM sleep and that medical. diagnosis. There's, there's it's not, not medical. There's people who who deal with the brain and that. Um, I remember this being a lot more technical when I w- watched this as a kid. Like I was like, oh yeah, that's so scientific. But then in looking at what they actually say here, she just kind of supposes this. Like there's no. There's no tests, there's no data, there's no, like, chemicals that the, like, I mean, when you are in REM sleep, don't you, like, release serotonin and, like, you should be able to test whether or not that's happening after 10 days, but, you know, she just kind of arrives at this you know what divine to say, inspiration Jimmy. that this is what's happening. I don't. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd say kick rocks, nerd. <laughs> oh, no, I wish I had, damn it. <laughs> 
I'm still in a fog from that long. No, I'm with you. I I think it got even better, Greg, uh, in a a scene or two when they start talking about the frequency of your REM sleep. (laughs) What is the frequency, Kenneth? Oh! Oh. Double REM reference. (laughs) I like the fact that data is there to translate when they're forgetting what they are talking about. Like, I actually think that that's a very effective scene. Um, looking at that different way of how it's affecting because Crusher and Picard are trying so hard to hold on during that scene. Uh, it's just it's... well, Picard's stoned out of his gourd in this episode. Right, <laughs> yeah. in, this, right. in this scene, he's like, "What are you guys right. talking about?" <laughs> This is like this is like the sober friend that goes with you to order something at the takeout place and has to yeah. translate for for you. And they're all on different drugs, honestly. Yeah. Um. You also, I just we have to note at this point because it's certainly apparent that. Uh, the more these episodes go on, the more hairs are out of place. Mm. The more their yeah. hairdos yeah. and things are like, see, we're not sleeping because uh, we've got, you know, bedhead. <laughs> yeah, well, the short, hair in this entire episode the messiest is of the hair. intentional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we find out it's up to Troy. You're the one who's got to do it because you and Date are the only ones who aren't affected by this in terms of the rem but troy is affected uh and she lets every you know she lets crusher know well i'm not sleeping and i'm having really bad nightmares i don't even want to sleep anymore uh (laughs) and she's not very confident that she can handle the situation um so another point here they show this freaking nightmare over and over and over again and troy never tells anyone the met the like the content of these dreams she just says oh nightmares she doesn't say I'm having the same exact nightmare. I'm hearing the same, you know, phrases over and over again because I feel like that's important information that you know <laughs> might have helped solve this thing a little bit faster. Right. Eventually she does. Uh she yells it at Crusher that she knows what's happening. Uh but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the one moon circling, like I feel like you know, right. there it's it's there, but it's not until like I I I why wasn't she saying it earlier on? Uh as well as the fact that like uh, you know, why am yeah. I on this high wire the whole time? Because other people's <laughs> dreams are boring, Greg. We all know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think that's boring, let me tell you about my D&D character. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes! <laughs> all right, so the crew attempts the Tykin BED strategy. That's big energy discharge. <laughs> but it doesn't work. Mm-mm. How often in history has a woman heard that (laughs) BED didn't work? (laughs) Holy cow. Uh, uh, Troy senses something is wrong, uh, and she runs to Worf's quarters to stop some Harry Carey. Um, So I thought this was a really uh, effective thing, too, because... Worf seems like he's on the up and up on in this scene. Like everybody else is being a little bit like, oh, I don't know how, you know, right? But I'm yeah. like, oh, I noted like, oh, Worf is like the only one who's, you know, doing what he needs to do and is following orders. And then he books it out of the bridge, right? And I'm like, well, though, now there's something going on. And I think that's really cool that Troy was the first one. And again, uh, now I am shipping them so hard because I'm like, there's there's a couple of scenes here where they have a connection. And this is one of them. 
Yeah, uh, and I don't know if you noticed the lack of a connection at the bottom of Worf's door, but it was there, a little bit of a warp, so light was seeping through, which means those doors cannot be pressurized. So uh, if anything catastrophic happened to the ship, Worf's quarters would not be safe, and I think that is definitely uh, an OSHA violation. (laughs) (laughs) As is the red lighting in his quarters. even though I do love colored lighting myself, but right. Klingons only have red lights. Yeah. It's just now it's canon. Well, and those Harry Carey lighting. Those Harry probably said right. computer <laughs> Harry Carey lighting. <laughs> I just uh, I right. also love the Michael Dorn's vulnerabil- vulnerability in this scene. Like he definitely does show that like he doesn't know what's going on, and he just lets Troy uh, hold his hand going out the out the thing. It just was I I was I was touched by that. I thought it was cool. It was beautiful. And you know those two security guards who showed up—they weren't going to be able to do shit if Worf was uh, about to. It's like it's cute that you thought you could do something and that you had a strong posture, but uh, it wasn't going to help you out, buddy. I love that they took the order from Troy. Like, oh no, everything's fine. It's cool. By the way, your bo- your boss is here and he's not saying anything. But don't listen to him. Listen right. to me. I never thought about that. Uh, <laughs> all right, and then we get a master class. And not letting the character description of catatonic stop you from overacting. Because, whoo, does Andrus Hagen, he is nowhere near catatonic in this scene with um, <laughs> with Troy. He's straight up just looking right at her and mouthing kind of words. Uh, there's nothing catatonic about him. But I guess that's cool because that's how we get the breakthrough. Uh, and she finally uh, realizes what's happening. And it's the two moons circling it is uh, the big clue. Uh, and that it's not just a dream. And she runs over and yells as much at Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it's important to say that it is one moon circling. Because two moons circling would be inherently unstable and we're all fucked. <laughs> okay. Thank you. True. The, the, also, the rising ocean tides. It is the fact that <laughs> if she had talked about it a little bit, like I, there, I feel like there's just a leap in logic that she could have made, you know, uh, uh, back at the beginning of this episode where he's saying things that is in her dreams. And is it the fact that she's not remembering her dreams? Is that what it is? Cause she, all she does, all the thing that kind of clicked for her is like, Oh, he was having the same dreams that I'm having. That means it's a message coming from somewhere else. Is that? And, and I'm like, yeah, if you had just shared that or were you remembering like uh, I, my brain can't puzzle out what exactly she learned in this that she couldn't have learned if she had just been talking about what was happening in those nights. Who counsels the counselor? That's what we have to ask. Mm. Therapists right. need therapists. Guinan. Guinan. Guinan should. <laughs> right. But she's too busy blowing she's shit up. She's too busy with a, being a badass. No with shit. the worst prop in the world. <laughs> Spray painted gold, uh, that weapon. Are we, are we at that scene yet? We're not quite, but it's it's Almost, coming. yeah. All right, we got two. one more scene before that. So right before Troy and Data come up with a plan, uh, or perhaps it's more accurate to say they finally discover the plan that was has been laid out for them. And that's <laughs> this dream. And the other species like, do this and we'll both survive. They finally discover that. Um, and then we go to 10 forward or kind of goes cowboy on a bunch of yahoos. Uh, Eric, what do you think about this? Well, I mean, I wanted to point out that Data sitting there going through like uh, the actual chemical formula for each of these elements 
in pictograph mm. form <laughs> one at a time <laughs> is not perhaps the most efficient use of the uh, uh, resource that is commander data. Now we can move on. Correct. <laughs> well, I like this this guy. I think it's Gillespie is his character's name who, who just... <laughs> They make him look gaunt as fuck, right? Like yeah, they've got right? like the the makeup going on him, and he just is cr- crazy and a rabble rouser. There were sometimes his forehead looked. I don't know if it was shadow or what, but there was a, just a few times I wasn't quite sure if he was human or a, a different race, right? A different species. Oh, interesting. Well, I like that he flat out Dex O'Brien. See, this is where I have problems with the O'Brien storyline, is that he's a total asshole to Keiko, but then he's the reasonable one when he goes to uh, 10 forward. I'm just going to need some counseling for those two. I really want them to work it out. <laughs> just need a kid. See, I, I, I feel like that might have been a note or a change, or maybe this is my headcanon, because O'Brien has already been the uh, person who gets into a fight at the bar. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, I really was like, oh, no, they're going to make him do it again. Uh, after having this fight with Keiko, they're going to make him go and have a fight at the bar. The Irish guy. Oh, no. And I feel like they might have just been like, mm, OK, let's give this other character some 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 space to do that and have O'Brien be the uh, the foil for that. Who's trying to to, to make peace? Yeah, um, because it could have been it could have been real racisty. I also <laughs> wanted to point out that uh, we needed to start a new list for. Uh, all of the phases of Guinan's gun, and that setting number one is sparklers. <laughs> yes, that's true. And as uh, glitter can, as Greg already mentioned, that was it's quite the gun, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that was a super soaker that they was painted gold or what, but it was real community le- theater level prop. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and why does she have that behind the metallic spray paint? <laughs> How does she have that? It's, right. It's, that's got to be another OSHA violation. That she's got a massive gun behind the counter. And also, when I saw Whoopi in the credits, I was hoping for a hell of a lot more right. than what I got. Yeah. Right? Because you know, uh, she's not talking to Picard about what she's witnessing at all. She's not like being that like kind of counselor for the right. counselor. As you were saying, Eric, Like all she gets to do is break up this fight with a phaser rifle. But she gets a, you know, a, a bitchin' confetti rifle. Yeah, no, I, that's fine. I'm glad that she got that. I just, you know, would have liked more. Uh, and well, as yeah. she doesn't seem impacted by what's happening, like maybe she was the one who could have saved the ship. Hmm. I don't know. I just, when I see Whoopi in the credits, I expect to get not only a lot of Whoopi, but a good, uh, a, a, a good character <laughs> trip with Whoopi, and not just a silly scene. Um, on, on all right. First name, first name basis with Whoopi. Yes, Whoopi I want is. you to She's keep going. going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we're nearing the end here. Uh, Troy takes another flight through the green void, yelling into the clouds, but never once saying what she's supposed right. to. Now, 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 just like I need to find I you. To Where are you? you? I need, I need you. I must find you. All the things that she just doesn't need until we get a glimmering shape. Uh, which maybe the other species like, okay, they're not getting it. We're going to have to push through here and help them out. And why do they only have a small amount of hydrogen? Isn't like the hydrogen the most 
you know, common elements uh, everywhere. Like, just take some of the water you got and break that down and pit it out there. We've only got two minutes worth of a steady stream of hydrogen. They could put out there, man. They let all of it out. I did like the puzzly nature of that, like one moon circling, like how that's about, you know, so it's like that idea of um, the gold record that's out there with V'ger, with Voyager of like, you know, here's something how we can communicate, not uh, through language that uh, other species might not know, but something that is something that um, transcends, you know, cultures and language. It's like the actual Mm -hmm. scientific properties. And that's the only way to communicate. I thought that was, I thought that was cool. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, debate I thought was cool or they're reasoning with each other about what the uh, the reason for the clue and what it actually means and how they should interpret it I thought was a nice uh, deductive conversation and how they arrived at it um, well Data and Picard uh, the only ones <laughs> on the uh, uh, on the bridge at the moment are disappointed that nothing happened <laughs> The hydrogen was released, uh, and you know, no explosion again. Yeah, they've given up uh, until boom, we get a nice big explosion, uh, and then a ship glowing blue streaks past the Enterprise, uh, and we end with Data ordering Picard to bed, so he got a little bit of his own medicine. Mm-hmm. He's so sleepy. So sleepy. And I think maybe the only thanks we got uh, or handshake from the the other aliens in the blue glowing ship was a Troy smiling. So after it blows up, they do have a little close up on her and she's got a little smile. Like maybe in her mind, they said, thank you. <laughs> I'd like to imagine they flash the headlights on their way by, like just like a thank you, beep beep. (laughs) All right, and that was a happy uh, dream. They're like, here's a dream that you uh, really want. You get to eat some ice cream and uh, you know enjoy your time on cloud nine. And you're pregnant (laughs) (laughs) with my dream baby. (laughs) All right, that was night terrors. Uh, Eric Curry. What did you think about Night Terrors? I'm going to give it six and a half Gene Wilders because it delights <laughs> me to hear Jimmy talk about one of his all-time favorite things in the world, which is yes. uh, Gene Wilders' production in 1976, was it, Jimmy? 71. Ah, I was completely wrong. Of Five years. The, the Chocolate Factory one. <laughs> yeah, Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka. Willy Wonka. He's got a he's got an original poster right next to his head right now. All right, so six yep, and a half. I loved uh, the campy nature of the entire episode. The uh, <laughs> I noticed several times, uh, especially with Beverly Crusher, the hair, and I'm just kind of going, "This is a soap opera. I need to approach this as a soap opera because that's exactly what this is." And uh, as long as I take it at what it was intended to be. I have a ball with this episode. So six and a half. Uh, Kate, what did you think? Uh, I, you know, I think I will give this uh, six uh, body bags sitting up on their own. Um, I did not remember this episode yet again. Like this whole string of episodes. Um, you guys, I was just so high in the 1991. Uh, 
Um, but I feel like there are some really effective moments in this, like, uh, like that body scene, um, and some other, you know, um, I think it's interesting to explore the idea of sleep and how, and, and dreaming and how important it is. Uh, but in the long run, there are some cheesy things that, that keep this from being, you know, an eight or a nine, uh, but I definitely uh, had a good time talking about it. And there were some moments that I really liked. Hooray for Guinan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg. Um, I am going to go slightly higher. I think I'm going to give this seven and a half green screenshots that are actually green. Um, it was some one that I really remembered. For some reason, this is... Uh, a plot and 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 the the uh, resolution of it was something that stuck in my memory. As soon as I was like, "Oh, this is Night Terrors," I knew exactly which episode this was because of the lack of REM sleep. Uh, maybe it was because I was just getting into REM at this time in 1991, <laughs> and so the fact that they called out my my soon to be favorite band uh, was uh, really exciting for me as a young child. Um, but watching this one, there are some strangenesses to it. Um, I actually didn't remember that it was basically a horror episode, that there are so many scenes in which um, we are imagining such awful uh, incidents like the ones that happened on the Bretagne, as well as uh, that, that cadaver scene, uh, Riker in the bed. And I'll just note, we never see Riker again after that. So in this episode. So I'm not sure what happened to him. Maybe he's just by himself hanging out with snakes and freaking the fuck <laughs> out thinking there's someone else in there for 10 days. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, want to, I want the mini episode of what's happening in Riker's uh, thing and how they finally get to resolve that with him. Uh, maybe he just, just goes to sleep. I don't know. Um, but it's a <laughs> solid episode that plays with genre a little bit more. It's definitely a a, a TV version of a horror movie uh, that was just tame enough for me to enjoy uh, when I was a kid. And I, I really liked uh, the kind of genre bending of it uh, this time around, too. Uh, all right. I think I'm going to give it six and a half OSHA infractions. <laughs> it... Uh, <laughs> It was an okay episode. Um, I think if it had better special effects, that would have gone a long way to make it better. If they could have made those dream sequences uh, something that wasn't laughable, that probably would have given it like two bumps right there Yeah. Uh, for me. And then if they would have cut the captain out of the other ship, I probably would have given it three and maybe up to nine. Uh, because I really do <laughs> love the whole... Uh, I love that playing with... Uh, the brain and sleep and how those things can have huge impacts uh, on people and cause some crazy stuff to happen. We've seen it in other more recent sci-fi shows to fantastic effect. Um, it didn't quite work in this one, uh, but there were some fun moments. Uh, so it wasn't a total loss. And at least none of the characters did anything egregious, <laughs> which is it's always nice when you see the characters you love not be a bunch of assholes. So, so OSHA uh, violations, but no, uh, you know, sexual uh, harassment. Right, so exactly. <laughs> um, so six and a half for me. Um, I just peed myself six and a half times. So <laughs> this whole place is going to have to be cleaned and disinfected. <laughs> you got a steady stream of hydrogen coming right out of your butt. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week, 
we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kit Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Leon Cage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage. <laughs>